welcome to the Rising Feminine Collective podcast. I'm your host, Nina Petruzzo, and I'm so honored that you're here. This is a sacred space to inspire, elevate, and amplify your life, your business, your relationships, and your gifts. Hi, my loves. Welcome back for another conversation on the Rising Feminine Collective podcast. I'm your host, Nina, and I'm so excited that you're here, whether you are a brand new listener, you know, just receiving this space, or if you have been a long time listener with us since the beginning, it is truly such a blessing to have your heartbeat receiving the conversations that are alive in this community. And today I'm really excited to share a beautiful episode with my dear friend, Leah Wardlaw. And Leah is a forever student of life with a specific focus on the uniquely feminine, sensual, erotic, and emotional experience. Her work, The Sacred Path of Feminine Dissension, is informed by God and science and explores the historical relationship of women to their minds and bodies. This work involves guiding women into the dark abyss of full emotional surrender and sensual presence in order to expand into rich ascension. And Leah and I found each other on Instagram. And I just remember resonating so deeply with Leah's words and what she was sharing really in the space of femininity and union and really how she creates a really beautiful bridge between, you know, psychology and science and biology to the energy and the arrows and the essence of the feminine. And that's what I feel makes Leah so unique in this space. And this conversation that we had is a really rich conversation, you know, descending into what is truth, how to discern truth in your body, how to connect to the unique essence of your own femininity and really reclaiming your unique essence in that, right? Like not feeling like you have to follow the trends or the paths that you see, but really descending, you know, from the mind into the body to restore the fullness of your femininity and who you are at your core ultimately. And there are so many just beautiful jewels inside of this conversation. I was so expanded after we recorded this conversation. So I cannot wait for this episode to bless you. And again, you know, whatever you receive from this conversation, please don't hesitate to reach out to Leah or I, we'd love to hear your reflections, your insights, your revelations, and what you've integrated, you know, through listening. So I'm so excited for you to receive, sit back, enjoy, get cozy, and we'll see you on the other side. Hmm. Yay. Uh, every conversation lights me up. And today, as I shared, we are here with Leah and Leah and I are going to dive into so much, so much goodness. I can't even wait. We were just talking beforehand, Lee and I connected through social media, through, you know, just sharing with, with this beautiful group of women that I feel is in this thread of connection and collaboration and communion with each other. And I told Leah, when I found her page, it was like music to my ears. She's such an incredible writer. And I feel 
so much of what she's written, like just speaks right to my soul. It's like reading the pages from my own journal. So I couldn't wait to go deeper with Leah and really get even more intimate with her heart and with, you know, what is alive right now in her body and in her womb and in her world, um, because I know she'll have such beautiful wisdom to grace us with today. So Leah, just thank you for being here and being open and sharing. And I would love to hear to begin just what is most alive in your heart and your body and your spirit. Yes. So I would be remiss in not giving some context into my relationship to these lessons and what's on my heart currently because I feel as if this has really been a recurring um, pattern in my life that's both allowed me to be able to have these really wonderful amazing juicy rich conversations with people but it's also brought me so much deeper within myself throughout the course of my life. So when I was a child, I had these like really weird, um, and, I, and I don't actually view these as bad things. Um, and we might touch on that later. I think it's actually one of the most important experiences that I've had in my life. But I experienced like all these crazy like bouts of psychosis and panic very strange for a child um but it brought me into my body like really really deeply because that was the only way that I could find myself anchored in reality Mm. and so early on I learned oh wow the mind is actually super creative I'm so creative yes (laughs) which sounds like what But it was such an important experience for me to be able to see the contrast between being with what is and where the mind and its thinking and fear and, you know, distortions where it can take you. Yeah. And coming back to the body, coming back to the breath, coming back to a state of calm. And like I said, experiencing that contrast has been something that has been occurring in my life when I experience illusion and currently how that's showing up is experiencing criticism and understanding the difference between what was said and what I'm making it mean about me or the person that's saying it am I able to receive fully what's being said without getting caught up in the illusion of, oh, they said this, does that mean that they think this? Oh, they said this, does that mean that this is going to happen in my life? Can I be here in the present with what's happening now with exactly what was said? And can I accept the perceptual experience of that individual while being able to maintain and identify my own perceptual experience of myself. And do I love myself enough to extract the good out of what they said so that it can be used to my benefit? (laughs) Mm. Oh, so much is in that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> in that one synopsis, Leah, that I've I've been in this as well. And and there's so many threads that you just shared that I'm like, oh, can't wait to dive into these little pieces. And I can relate, you know, and I feel like to, I don't know, I, I, I'm in like my mid, well, going towards my mid thirties now, which is wild in and of itself. But in this time, especially the last couple of years or few years of my life, I feel where I've been in this like deeper stage of my spiritual awakening and coming back into deeper relationship with God and connecting to the spirit within me, it's brought me back into my childhood, like super, super deep. And, and I remember Tulia being a child and I was like a super creative, very always like out in the woods or like, I remember talking to like angels or God, or just like feeling that essence of energy around me, but also, yeah, thinking I was like, maybe crazy. Like, I didn't think my brother and sister were experiencing that. Like just, yeah, a little bit, um, weird quote unquote, I guess, like I don't have another (laughs) word for it. And, and then luckily I grew up doing dance and dance was such a practice that brought me into my body because I did feel as a child, that creative energy was like very outside of myself, but also within me. So I just love that this conversation of dissension, which is something that we're both really passionate about of like coming from the mind down to the body. And then I really want to go into this criticism piece. Cause this has been this has been huge for me. And I honestly, I feel criticism is something that has challenged me my whole life. And I've always been a people pleaser and like a striver and like a good girl. Right. And have like been in that conditioning of like, do the best that I can and don't get it wrong. And like, you know, I would always think that critique was like a bad thing that I did it wrong. Right. And that there maybe wasn't even room for improvement. And that could have been how the critique was coming to me or how I perceived it through my like little world that I had created. But I would love to hear kind of deeper on this with you, just like what criticism is, how we can be more embodied in it. And like you said, how can I still stay in the anchor of my goodness but take maybe a seed that would really support me without allowing the criticism to dismantle me. I just think so many women struggle with receiving feedback. And I think too, we don't give feedback to each other because we're afraid of hurting each other. Right. Or like, you know, saying something that maybe feels out of line where actually it could be something that is really helpful and beneficial for someone's journey. But we often like hold our tongue because we want to be that good girl. And that's just something I've noticed in myself that I've really had to work on and work through. So I I would just love to hear deeper about that. Like what criticism is, how we stay anchored in our body and receiving criticism and how we can like be more compassionate in the way that we both maybe give and receive criticism in our life. Absolutely. And I would just love to comment and say that it's so interesting how when you have a conversation with someone who you're really aligned with, you can access different parts of yourself and information and articulate it so much stronger. Um, so I really appreciate that. I feel so much coming to the surface mm-hmm. in conversation with you and 
Uh, I think that's just such a testament to mm. the, the power of these kinds of conversations. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, there's so many avenues that I could go down with this, but I'm going to start with saying that for me, one of the biggest roadblocks that helped me understand criticism better is to stop believing that I was right or wrong about anything being good or bad at all. Because I, I, I noticed that when I'm being critical, which we all have our moments. Absolutely. Underlying that criticism is the belief that my assumptions about what I'm looking at are true. There's not room there for compassionate inquiry or curiosity or even playfulness. You know, what is there is there, regardless of my opinion about it, my uh, projections onto it, what happened already occurred. You know, so when receiving criticism from that space of understanding, you're like, oh, this person is sharing with me their perceptual understanding with their history, their, you know, their, you know, without any sort of um, um, negative connotation on it, their trauma. Cause I don't actually even believe that trauma is a bad thing. Yeah. Which I know yeah. sounds really weird and backwards, but if you looked at my life <laughs> and then look at how I talk about it, you know, you might understand. Everyone is coming at life from their own perceptual experience. And the second piece of it is really like, when I learned how to love myself more and believe that even when I'm wrong, I'm good. Yeah. And I'm smartest when I'm learning. Not when I feel like I have to know everything and be right and be Mm. good. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm at my best, I'm at my fullest, I'm expanding, I'm being gifted, regardless of how someone presents their criticism, yeah. it's still a gift. Yeah. And everyone loves at their own level of understanding of love. And for some people, their understanding of love is very mean. Yeah. But you gotta be able to like see that. And like compassionate listening says, oh, this is where this person is at. I love myself enough to take what they're saying and extract the good out of it Yeah, and see the good in them and the good in me, Mm. you know, because we're both in a situation loving each other in different ways. And, and that doesn't mean you have to allow people to bury you or be unnecessarily kind to you, but it just means that you're, there's a space there when you're not reacting that you can hear them you can see them you're not so caught up in oh my gosh I can't believe they would say that to me I can't what does this mean about me you're able to see them and you're able to I call it selfish listening (laughs) I love (laughs) that naughty but like it is like oh this person said this about me how can I apply that is that true how can I use that to expand myself in the area that they're that they're talking about like yeah 
that's awesome. Like I get to be a cooler person. They were generous enough with me to share their, the way that they're perceiving us. Yeah. And that does, that's not the gospel. Yeah. It's just feedback and just let it be that. Just yes. let it be that. There's yeah. nothing more. They raised their voice at me. They elevated their tone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're having an experience of me that evoked emotion and how can I just, how can I be with that and hear what they're saying? Yeah. And, and that just changes the way you hear. It changes the way you hear yourself and you're self-critical too. Yeah. Because you say, oh my gosh, like I'm scared right now. I'm worried about my performance. I'm worried about being received. The possibility of maybe something I'm doing causing me to be abandoned wow, that part of me really cares for me. And I hear the underlying message rather than being upset about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I, I love just bringing it into this inquiry of curiosity. And I, and cause I feel at least the sensational experience that I have in my body when I'm being curious is a state of openness. And I feel mm-hmm. like Right. It's like, and to me, openness is softness. So it's like seeing in that, that dance with the feminine of that openness, that softness, that wonder, like again, to that childlike essence of like a little bit of innocence, like, oh, like, let me listen. Let me see. Let me understand what's here without trying to fix or control or shut out what someone's saying. Like, let's just be present with what is. And I love the reminder of like, criticism is, you know, receiving information from someone else's channel, from someone else's perspective and perception. And that comes with their own lived experience. And like you mentioned, trauma and their own, you know, response to, to the world and maybe to this thing. And then that's being an exchange with you. So there is so much like to untangle in it, but I, I love that, that curiosity piece and just staying really anchored with the curiosity and letting that open you to receive perhaps Mm -hmm. the nuggets of wisdom or seeds that are there as, as feedback. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm so curious too, Leah, like, you know, I I know in my world and I think, you know, you talk with a lot of women. I work with a lot of women in my life as well. And like, there is moments in which feedback is necessary, right? Whether that's with my clients or with friends or with, you know, even my, my own mentors that I work with, right. That there's this openness and I'm always like telling my own clients and, and friends, you know, I'm open for, for feedback. I I want to be in receptivity of your experience of me in these different moments. Um, so I can genuinely be open to hopefully evolving, you know, through what you share with me, but I'm curious if you have like a, a beautiful protocol or the way in which you offer feedback to others. Cause I feel, again, this is something that a lot of women, um, stumble with. I I did for a long time of like actually how to give feedback to someone in a graceful way. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, And it kind of ties into many things because I think on the other side of not wanting to give feedback because, or not wanting to receive feedback because you want to be seen as like the good girl. 
my experience has actually been, I don't want to be repressed because mm -hmm. my experience of, so I, I went to a very like strict religious school growing up. And my experience of God has always been in the now all the time in every moment, yeah. like piercing, expressive, creative. And I just could not deal. <laughs> yeah. Like you guys don't get it. So that my relationship to criticism as a child which also I would say was my relationship to the masculine because I consider academic spaces masculine religious space masculine release of preventing people from accessing freedom. Yeah. That's my holdback when I give feedback because sometimes. And I've had like friends come to me with like relationship problems. And I tell people once what I feel if they ask for it. Yeah. And typically I won't tell them again because I found that there is, and I think that this is not something that we talk about a lot because there's yes, an emphasis on feedback but there's not a lot of emphasis on freedom. And, and freedom is love too like you can give loving feedback but I think at a certain point you have to ask yourself am I wanting this person to change and why Ooh. and accepting yeah. that people are all on their own path and there's certain lessons that have to be had yeah and going back to like that whole thing of good or bad and like me saying like I don't believe trauma is a bad thing I think our um interpretation of what happened is bad but I think that there's certain situations that people need to go through it's a it's an initiative process yes yeah. and you can give your wisdom clearly and kindly but there have been times where I I told a friend, I want you to continue doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you will understand when you are ready, whether or not what I'm saying applies to you or doesn't, because yeah. it might not. This is what I see. And I believe in you. And I believe in your path to make an empowered decision when it calls upon you. Yeah. Because it's not my job to decide what's right. There were certain mistakes I made that if I did not make them, I would not have the wisdom and knowledge that I know. And that's not to say that you have to access wisdom for making mistakes, no. But it is to say that I'm not the authority yeah. on other people's life path. And I take that very seriously. Yeah. And it's something I didn't understand when I was young because I would fight people about you're doing this wrong. You need because I it was it was my way of loving them. I wanted them to understand me. I wanted them to experience what I experienced, my connection with God. Yeah. But I didn't understand that is where they're at. 
And I have to honor and receive that. Yeah. Because if I can't, because I, it's really a desire for connection. And it's like, as women, we have this uh, like habit of trying to change men, like by giving our feedback. Oh, I would love to go into that, Leah. Yeah. <laughs> we want connection. Yeah. The, the best kind of connection is when you can accept someone where they're at and inquire about where they're at and receive who they are and then say, okay, this person or this situation or whatever it is fit into where it is that I'm trying to go from a place of authenticity. It's, it's very different. So I, I take that freedom aspect very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so much in there. And and that kind of brought up uh, when you just were talking about like, yeah, our, especially maybe in partnership and I'm Mm -hmm. in a partnership and I really had to witness where I was either lovingly or not so lovingly giving feedback. Right. And like poking, (laughs) poking at different things and really witnessing essentially where that was subtly emasculating, you know, my partner in different ways. And this is something I've been like very attuned to over the past few years, the ways in which as women, we emasculate and castrate men and how harmful that is because that takes them out of their innate design, which is to cherish us and provide for us. So, right. It becomes that whole cycle. And I keep one of the questions I've been like, asking myself, you know, when I am a witness to really anyone in the world, but especially my partner, but you know, any relationship, I'm always asking myself, you know, if I don't understand something that they might be doing and I'm like, why can't you do it this way or see it from over here? I ask myself, you know, you know, what if what they're doing has good reason behind it, right? Like what if, what if what they're doing has a good reason and I don't need to fully understand what that reason is, but can I open myself back to that curiosity to sit in the question of just like, what if there is a good, a good reason? And again, that could come from past behavior, pattern, conditioning, trauma. And I I agree with you, Leah, I feel too, you know, all the traumas and different things that were really hard in my life. I'm so grateful for them now because they've shaped who I am. I mean, I wouldn't be the woman that I am sitting here today without those challenges and without some of those regrets and mistakes and hard times and, and all of that. And I do feel, again, it's all about perspective, how we look at that, how we meet that, how we decide to move through that, right. That really renews and and shapes us. But yeah, I've just been, you just really sparked that remembrance of that question of like, what if this person has a good reason for, for doing it this way? And where can I maybe ask better questions to understand, right? Someone's position where I maybe want to offer like criticism or feedback. Can I first understand where they're coming from? Can I first understand their experience in this without me projecting my version of right or wrong onto the situation, which we so easily do But really that is when we're in that box of right or wrong or black or white, we're not liberated. We're not free. We're, we're bound to write these chains and these constructs. So, um, yeah, I feel like this is very alive for you too. (laughs) Yes, I am going to move really quickly. Um, just a moment. Yeah. You're good, Leah. You're good. 
walking. <laughs> Yay! Uh, all right. Well, I guess we're here. I love it. In okay. And my my assistant is a master editor, so she just <laughs> she does all the things, Leah. <laughs> Okay. Um, so I guess we can go on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would just love to hear, I, I would love to hear more about that conversation around trauma, not being a bad thing. And really, and I feel like a big part of this too, Leah, and I feel like you have a lot of wisdom in this is like part of how we kind of reconcile maybe with again, our past or things that we've experienced that have been hard is a lot about holding, right? The spectrum of our emotions Mm -hmm. and meeting that darkness. And you and I speak so much to dissension and that's, you just wrote such a beautiful like story on this, but yeah, I would love for you to take that anywhere that you want to take it. You know, this inquiry around dissension, trauma, not being bad, how our experience really shapes us, um, and renews us to hold the wisdom and the embodiment of who we are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't like the whole, and maybe this is a place that I need to, uh, receive myself better in, um, but trauma is such a loaded word. So loaded. Um, but I guess through the understanding of a lot of people, I've experienced a lot of it, um, depending on how you define a lot. (laughs) Um, but I won't say that trauma can't be a negative experience for some people. It's just to say that negative experiences can pull you inwards and give you that opportunity to catapult. Because what I say is that you can only go as far up, you can only ascend as high as you're willing to go inwards. Because experiencing trauma can actually block you off in many ways from accessing deeper levels of yourself because you shut down emotionally. And when you do shut down emotionally, you're shutting off your access to deeper parts of yourself. And when you make the decision to come back to yourself and you start unpacking all that stuff that's in there, it has the opportunity to become gold, yeah. but you have to go in it. I call it a tunnel. Yeah. And from a, like a scientific point of view, your brain thinks that you're dying when you're experiencing negative emotions. That's how, that, is, that has been the history of our psychology as human beings. We have really only been within like the romantic relational space (laughs) for like a hundred years. Yeah. Like the way that we know it now. Right. So those emotions of fear, those emotions of abandonment, those emotions of um, rejection, 
historically, like within the, throughout the duration of our history as a species have been related to literally our survival. And so specifically within the feminine psyche, we have been dependent on people for our survival. So for right. instance, if I share a piece of insight or wisdom that goes against a tribe 7,000, 9,000 years ago, I could die. Yeah. And so that's deep, deep, deep in our psyche. So our experience of negative emotions is actually one of fear of death. And so the spiritual path is one of accepting that I'm not dying when I'm going into these emotions. Yeah. And the more I can affirm my safety, the more my nervous system heals, the more my spirit heals. It's a really incredible thing because when you decide to go into those dark places in your past where you did shut off because that is our body's mechanism for allowing us to continue to function out in the world, you literally participate in the up-leveling of our psychology as a collective because you're affirming that it's safe to go into those negative emotions, quote unquote. Right. It's safe to go there. It's safe to be in my body with these feelings because going back to truth, I'm receiving simply what's there. What's there is a sensation. What's there is tears. What's there is a feeling of tightness in my chest, a heaviness. Can I be with that? How much can I be with myself? Yeah. And from that place, it, I personally, I mean, I look at everything through a lens of, you know, you can only be of service to others as much as you can sit with yourself and be of service to yourself. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for the times that I've sat with myself because it's so enhanced my ability to sit with others. So enhanced, like, you know, going in, descending into your shadows. And I use the word penetrated very deliberately because it really is allowing all of those emotions that you experience then to re-enter you. And, and fill you yeah. and making space and accepting the truth of what shows up. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that negative, again, negative, positive, I don't yeah. really view the world through that lens anymore. Yeah. But it's not to say that you won't have uh, emotions or sensations in the body that won't challenge you around truth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, someone yells at you. The truth is that they yelled at you. Your experience and sensations that show up for you are a completely separate experience. Yeah. So those things will happen. Our psyche wants, our, our brain wants to keep us safe. There's certain things that scare us. And that's, that's ancient, yeah. but our evolution and our up-leveling depends upon us affirming in those moments that I'm safe. It's okay to have these sensations come up and to 
allow them to be there without, again, criticizing them or shutting them down or deflecting. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it it is such a process. And I love that you shared, Mm -hmm. Leah. I feel this very deeply, like, you know, you can only sit with someone as, as deep as you've sat with yourself. Right. And like, can, can hold that space of the darkness or whatever you want to call it, you know, as much as you've met that within yourself too. And I feel like that's where this journey of dissension is so powerful because you're really having to go into these, these different places that, you know, maybe you feel the light's not there, but it's, it's sitting in that stillness, sitting in the question, sitting in the spaciousness to cultivate that love, forgiveness, compassion, tenderness, whatever is needed to be more cultivated so that healing can occur and then wisdom can, you know, rise from that place. And, and I'd love to hear Leah, safety is a word that comes up. I use it a lot as well. And I'd love to hear, and then I want to go into to truth and, and kind of dissect that. Cause I feel like it's really powerful stuff to share within that realm, but what does safety feel like in your body and, and how have you supported yourself in establishing that sense of safety within your being. Cause I, I think you're exactly right. And I think so many people don't go fully into feeling because it's so uncomfortable. And I, I do feel there is that survival fear of like, I'm going to die. You know, if I go here, it, it feels, it truly does feel that extreme. And I'm happy that you said that. So what would you say to someone who is like wanting to descend, wanting to meet themselves in deeper places, but maybe is feeling shaky in their safety? Uh, I would tell them to start experimenting with it in times where you don't feel threatened. So uh, something like I grew up doing, my mom did a lot of public speaking and she would call me up on stage. (laughs) And I had to learn how to establish that sense of safety, kind of so I wouldn't embarrass myself. But I learned like, you know, you can have these sensations and still go through them. Like I will pick deliberately situations that I know will make me uncomfortable yet my my logical mind is anchored enough in stillness and I'm not in a heightened state emotionally my nervous system's not all heightened where I can deliberately take myself through experiences that challenge me but expand me like for a long time for me it was like going into certain stores like when I was in college and saying like no like I deserve to be here just like everyone else like this is a fun experience like how can I interact with this experience in a way that you know constantly I'm reminding myself like no like I'm safe here like this is good like this is fun like how can I be responsible and in charge for my experience um I would tell someone you know that feeling of safety is going to feel different for everyone. But for me, it doesn't actually feel like the emotions or the sensations going away. It has to do with my internal dialogue with myself around those sensations. Yeah. So the sensations don't, they don't necessarily go away. They do subside the more you do it. Mm. But it's about... I gotta say, just doing it afraid, but do it first and create a habit around it 
where you start doing those things when you're not in a heightened state. Yeah. Whether calling a friend that you haven't talked to in a very long time and there's some anxiety around it, which for me is really challenging. Or just doing something you've never done before. It can be something really small at first and just saying, I'm safe. I deserve to do this. I One thing that helped me so much is saying, I deserve to expand. Mm. I deserve to challenge myself. I deserve to expand my understanding of my identity yeah. around what I can and can't do. Yeah. Because sometimes even, even making like changes in your life, like for a long time, I wanted to be a more organized person, but I actually had fear around that because for me, I had so, for so long tied my identity to just being like free and like being able to do whatever. And so there was a part of me that felt like if I, if I do this, I'll lose a part of me. So even day-to-day things like keeping those promises to myself to put my keys where I said I was going to put them and putting things back and saying like, you're not losing your creativity. You're not losing who you are. You're safe. Like who you are, the essence of who you are is safe. There's so many different ways that you can play with this, but eventually it starts to compound. And I had to tell myself, I deserve to create this experience for myself. I deserve to move through this discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I just think that that in and of itself is such a powerful reminder for so many people to hear. Even when you said it, I was like, yeah, I'm safe to expand. Like, yes, like I can go, you know, to the edge of that, you know, cliff Mm -hmm. and like, it's okay. I will Mm -hmm. get my wings (laughs) as I start flying and going down there. Like, yeah, like we, and, and I, and I love that word compound It is like in these small moments that add up to, you know, this, this deeper feeling of safety. It's like, not just snap your fingers and now you're eternally safe. You know, it's like mm-hmm. these small micro moments that we build within our lives of like, you know, stretching outside of the box and like really remembering I, de- I deserve to feel safe and I deserve to go to this edge or meet myself here. And I get to be this divine duality of, of who I am. And it's safe to be that. I just, I love that Lee. I think that that's just such a powerful remembrance and you started to talk to truth. And I, I feel like you just have some really cool perspectives on this. And, you know, I, I feel truth, the word truth has become very buzzy lately. I mean, I use it all, <laughs> all the time. Like I'm calling myself out here. Right. And like, and I've been even going deeper into this inquiry of like, what is truth and how do I know that what I am receiving or feeling is truth. So I would love for you to share whatever you've been discovering in that, because I think a lot of us are in this journey of like, what is truth? Because we, many are obviously awakening to a lot of illusion right now. So it's like, I think some of us are doing this through like worldly things, but then also I feel this is, yeah, internal experience within my body what does truth feel like and how do I experience that? Um, I don't think that my answer is like what people like to hear, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> what I, what I experience is truth anyways. Um, or the truth is the truth. Of, the truth is what I'm going to say. 
Um, and I don't mean that to say that what I'm saying is right. I mean that to say that the words that are coming out of my mouth are the words that are coming out of my mouth. And that will make more sense in about 30 seconds. The only thing that's true is what is there. Okay, uh, someone got shot. What is true about that experience? They got shot. Okay, someone raised their voice at you. What is true about that experience? They raised their voice. Okay, the government passes law. What is true about that? The government passes law. Yeah. Observations are different from criticisms. Mm. And a lot of times we understand truth through the lens of our criticisms, which is not yes. an observation. Yeah. There's a difference. And you hear people saying like, oh my gosh, this law is horrible. I can't believe the government did this. I can't believe the left did this. I can't believe the right did this. It's horrible. This is the truth. You don't know that. Yeah. And it's actually a great thing because there's certain, like I said, situations, regardless of if I think it's a good thing or a bad thing, that is going to initiate people into a different state of thinking, um, experiences that they never would have experienced before. I, in my limited perception and understanding, cannot sit in a place of arrogance and say that I know whether or not this thing is definitively a good or bad thing. That is not truth. The truth is what happened. The truth is what happened. You walked into a room and people laughed at you. The truth is that they laughed at you. Yeah. Like it sounds like, oh gosh, well, how do I do that? It, it really does get easier with time as you affirm the fact that you don't actually know what's going on for other people. And I've learned that like, you know, sometimes people, you can experience people as being cruel and they're going through their own spiritual initiation through observing themselves with that experience. I was a really mean person during my teenage years. And I'm so grateful that I went through that experience because when I look back at that, that me being that way, that initiated me through wisdom. I don't know how I showed up for other people and what that initiated them through. Like for me, at my job, like I had a coworker that was a little bit, in my opinion, a little harsh. And um, that really catapulted me into this experience of exploring truth all over again. Yeah. So I can't, like, it is not useful because I don't want to use the word bad it's not bad having an having the thought that something is good or bad will just take you into another avenue that will lead you eventually to truth we all have to at some point or another encounter truth yeah but it's not particularly productive or useful to view anything through that lens because there's no way to say it, but it, it frustrates me a bit, <laughs> I will say. Like even within like the space of like femininity, you hear people talk about feminists are evil or, you know, these people are terrible. I can't, 
you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And over our understanding that using some horizontal perspective, God is sovereign. Yeah. And there's a, there's a 30,000 foot view to all of this. And I'm very, I try to the best of my ability to be very surrendered to that. And again, going back to people's agency and the importance of honoring where people are in that inquiry about what is going on for this person? What experiences might've led them to this perspective? Yeah. You know, what parts of me do I recognize in them that I may not be aware of consciously? Something like I love to do is when I catch myself judging someone, I identify the part of me that I see in them and say, I love me too. I love that. And it's really interesting. (laughs) It immediately softens my judgment towards them of whatever I'm projecting onto them. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, yeah, I love that. And I feel like we haven't gone there in this space. So I'm really grateful that you just were able, you just so beautifully spoke to, I feel that discernment around truth and really just like untangling it into, you know, what it actually is. Right. And, and I feel too, you know, the way that you're, you're talking Leah and just like uh, taking that more sovereign, like higher perspective. And that's too, where I try to live in as best as I can. Like always, I call it like God perspective, like, okay. Like when I notice my judgment or my own criticisms coming in, like, okay, wait, let me zoom out. Can I take this from a God perspective? And like, what's actually, what's actually here. Right. And like witnessing maybe what's in me and witnessing what I'm, you know, trying to judge or fix or control and, and really zooming way out. And that takes to me, that's the way of grace, right? It's like, that's, that is having that, that grace lens. And, and I feel that's why I connect with you so beautifully, Leah, because I feel you, you talk about these things in a way that's not condemning or shaming anybody. It's just really letting it be zoomed out to that, that God lens. And I feel again, from that lens, liberation can happen because we're not pulling into this really subjective idea of what's right or what's wrong. It's really just honestly going to more objectivity and like really just distilling it down. So, so I just appreciate the way in which you're expressing that. And you brought up something in that, that I I did want to ask you And this kind of like takes this conversation a little bit somewhere else, but I see you as such a beautiful embodiment of femininity and, and of, you know, feminine essence. And just, I know femininity is also like a loaded word and again, very buzzy right now in this space. And in this space, we really explore what this gets to mean for each of us uniquely. So I'm really curious to hear from your perspective, you know, what femininity means and how maybe some of the journey of embracing that within yourself so that your essence of your unique femininity feels more freedom to be expressed in your day-to-day life. Mm. Oh gosh, so much. (laughs) I know I'm like, this could go so many ways, so many places. So just Um, take it wherever. I think that, 
there's so many different um, projections of femininity in terms of like what it looks like. Yes. And um, I've always, I, I, I didn't expect to say this, but I've always loved like really nice things. Like I've had a subscription to Vogue since I was like seven. <laughs> I love it. Actually found that you know, I noticed like within a lot of femininity spaces, there's a big emphasis on receiving materially, like, you know, what you can receive from a man or like yeah. what to, how much money you can receive, how much stuff you can receive. Um, and that was my initial encounter with femininity, like throughout the course of my childhood. Like I was really into like the glitz and glamour and stuff. Yeah. But as I matured, I actually learned that in the process of receiving those things, I had to be initiated through like so much spiritual up-leveling that those things took on a completely different meaning for me. Yeah. So it wasn't about my presentation. It was about how safe I felt to express myself. It wasn't about um, getting this thing or getting this money. It was like who am I becoming in the process of attending and receiving these things? Can I receive, again, the feedbacks that I'm getting from life about these, um, about how to come into a place of receivership of these things? It, it has nothing to do with the stuff. It has nothing to do with the presentation. Um, and I really do believe that it's, it's interesting. There's so much more, I mean, at least within the religious spaces, there's so much getting caught up in the morality of what femininity looks like. Totally. Yeah. Of like how to present yourself and how to be a certain way and how to like, like even like a modesty conversation. Yep. I don't necessarily resonate with all of it because again, there's got to be that space for people to explore what expression in a self-loving way and in a God-honoring way looks like. Yeah. Um, and I know that, I know that for me, I've been on all sides of the spectrum in terms of what expression, what feminine expression looks like. I feel when I look back on my life, like my teenage years where I was the most cut off and the most, you know, in that false independence yeah. state, I was actually very feminine then from a sense of being very sensitive and very wanting to keep myself safe, wanting to protect my heart. Yeah. And there was a deep, deep tenderness there that was underneath of that. And so for everybody, it's different, but I can't, I can't help, but then I can't help but go back again to agency and the fact that it just looks differently for everybody. Yeah. There's no external look to femininity I think it really comes down to how deeply and how sincerely can you be with and accept truth 
the truth of who you are, the truth of who you've been, you know, the odd and honest conversation with yourself about your motives. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, that last piece, especially. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much. And I, and I just love that you really drove home because it is, it's such a unique essence for us all. There's no, like we've been talking about, there's no one way, there's no one lane. It, it truly is, you know, that embodied journey that you take with yourself to realize, you know, what is most true for me and my expression. And, and I feel, and I love that you did bring up the material, because I think that that is a lot of what we see in the feminine beast space. But to me, the feminine is devoted to the eternal over the material. It's like, right. And, and that beauty and love and openness and softness and devotion is really her expression. And Mm -hmm. that can look different for, for all of us. So I love that you brought that in. And I love that you kind of ended with like looking at what's the motive behind it, because I feel that (laughs) is a great inquiry. Like, again, like where we are through religion, so conditioned into like purity and modesty. And then like, Ooh, if you go outside of that, you're a bad girl, you're a sinner. You know, you are out of this Proverbs 31 woman. You are, you are condemned, you know, what's the motive behind that? Yeah. What's exactly what's the motive. And then like, what's the motive within myself when I want it, you know, this is the conversation I've been in, you know, when I do want to dress maybe a little bit sexier or something for my partner, what's the motive? Am I doing it for me or am I doing it to elicit a response right from the outer? And I think that that's just a really beautiful check-in to ask ourselves, you know, when we're in the expression of any essence of our femininity, what is the motive with this, right? Am I doing it for truth and beauty and love and like pureness of my heart or is there that external validation or manipulation or whatever happening, you know, outside of me? So I just love that you said that. Yeah. I do want to say like a big thing that came up has come up for me because I've always been this like good fashionista and my friends kind of were like, you know, they just weren't into it as much and that's fine. But, you know, I really had this journey of, figuring out how to feel safe to be seen and I think that is such a um, underdeveloped conversation within the conversation of femininity because you know you can talk about how to dress and how to talk and how to do all these things to be perceived as feminine but that's not actually the point the point is not to say these certain words so that you're being quote-unquote expressive it really comes down to how safe do you feel to be seen like in your truth? Like how do I feel to present myself the way that honors my authenticity? Not the truth, not my ego, but my spirit in any given moment. How safe do I feel to be honest about who I am and sharing my feelings? in the way I dress and the way that I speak, like it's, to me, that's everything when it comes to feminine expression, being honest without an ulterior motive Mm. behind it. 
And it comes down to, again, being able to receive the truth of other people. Because when you do show up authentically, you're no longer manipulating people. And it opens you up to, again, criticism. It opens you up to different people having different perspectives or projecting different things on you. But I've learned to kind of view like showing up as yourself, especially, especially as a woman, as a service to the world, because when you trigger people, you're expanding them. Yeah. You're expanding yourself by saying, oh, it's safe for me to express authentically. And when people see people express authentically, sometimes it touches a part of them that maybe they have not um, given themselves permission to access. And they might have these reactions to you, but you just have to allow them to have that experience with themselves and know that that's their experience. They're allowed to be offended. They are allowed to be triggered. They are allowed to have these strong emotions within them. And I don't have to make that mean anything about how I show up in the world. Yeah. But it is a service. I I believe it's a service. Totally. Well, and I, and I, I love that you brought it back ultimately to this safety and being seen and like really going back to that core of like, what is authentic to me? And can I feel safe in that expression and, in knowing and trusting, you know, as you do cultivate that safety, like you just said, Leah, you know, it might offend some, it may trigger some or activate some. And, but again, I see all that as, as beautiful, right. Cause it's like that invitation of like, where are we all being called to expand and, and let ourselves, you know, go to that next edge within ourselves. And really for me, when we are in that authentic expression of who we are and, and again, anchored in that safety is to me, you know, really reclaiming that beloved identity, your infinite wholeness, worthiness, and radiance and God, you know, first and foremost. And when you are in the authentic expression of that, that is magnetic and radiant and does inspire and does impact others. So it's like, who are we not to begin to develop that safety and being seen and expressing ourselves in the unique way that Mm. God has made us to be expressed? Yes. Um, Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) And it's funny because we stifle our expression because we want to be accepted totally. and not rejected. But what you find is when you die, when you allow yourself to be abandoned, when you allow yourself to be rejected, on the other side of that is finding people that are actually aligned to you. Totally. So that it's like, yes. if you allow yourself that death, that what I would again call literally descending, yeah. like a corpse. <laughs> Yes. You know, you are res- been resurrected in a, in a more aligned, more alive, more confident version of yourself that really attracts people like you, like people, um, like our connection. You know, if I was afraid to speak the way that I'm speaking or say what I'm saying, we would have never connected, yeah. but you have to kind of... Al- Again, it, I do believe that God created our psychology very deliberately to initiate us through these periods of 
death and rebirth throughout the course of our life. Because in order to expand into the new versions of ourselves, you have to die. Yeah. And and like femininity is not all like butterflies and sunshine. No. (laughs) That's the other side of it. (laughs) Oh my goodness, Leah, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah, it's the, the feminine is regenerative constantly yeah. each holy death labors that radiant rebirth. And, and I just, I'm feeling everything that you're saying. Cause so much of the past year for me was the sacred death was the holy death of all of these identities that I was holding on to because that's where I was accepted. And that's where I had found my belonging in the past. And when I started to be more truthful and authentic and open about my values and my virtues and my vision and my beliefs, it like opened this whole new world of, of women in my life, which has been such a divine gift, but I would never have this beautiful collective of, of these other women that, you know, are also in similar values and expressing their gifts in similar, but very different ways. If I hadn't been courageous enough to say yes Mm -hmm. to that initiation and say yes to that death so that this new part of me could really rise and be reborn. Yes. Oh my goodness. And I think that right there just totally fragments and obliterates like the idea that femininity makes you weak and you're not courageous and you're not brave if you're feminine, which is such a like common, uh, you know, distortion around femininity is around what submission even is. Totally. Because submitting to the truth of yourself, submitting to the truth of others, submitting to the fact that you won't die if you do something uncomfortable. Like if you're allowing someone to lead you, like submitting to the fact that like, oh, like I don't actually know everything. Oh, like some people actually like are safe, like allowing yourself the the opportunity to experience that and knowing like, even if I make a mistake, even if they make a mistake, I'm still safe. That is super, super courageous. And um, I think watching women do that is a, is again a very powerful experience for other people to witness and I've said recently in like a post that the greatest gift of the feminine is that it is a silent embodiment of truth yeah and a lot of times like people are like oh like if you're feminine people just want you to be quiet and not say anything and be small no, like it doesn't take a lot to, to make an impact and take, make, take up space, but it doesn't look like taking up space in the physical. The, the, the feminine presents immaterial assets. It's a building and an expansiveness on the internal rather than the external. And that is so special because no one can take it from you yeah no one can burn it down no one can bulldoze through it yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's it's yeah oh my god just everything I'm like in my head like yes 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 it's that divine beingness and I something that came to me last year and some of my writing is like 
you kind of reminded me of it is I would always say like her presence reveals her redemption. And it's like the feminine care, like when the dissension and you've been down and in, and that is, you know, becoming embodied and integrated, like the, your presence alone is so powerful. It's, you can move mountains and in it, it, it is through that just beautiful, natural state of the expression and the safety and being seen and who you are. And, and she holds the duality of it all, right? Yeah. Not just passive, you know, it's a force. It is something that moves, but it doesn't always maybe move in the way that we're conditioned to think it needs to, to move through us. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like that's such a beautiful observation. So, so true. Um, again, I, I think it just like speaks to the fact that there's so many levels to understanding the feminine. Um, again, like there's a superficial understanding of it, which is, in my opinion, um, equally as important. Like it's its own step on its own. Yeah. Um, but there's these really deep, uh, rich, like very like delicious and scary sides of it too. Like, um, like I would say that. Um, the early childhood experiences that I shared with you were one of my first experiences with creative energy. Um, so, I mean, some would say it was a shadow side of creative energy, but it was creative nonetheless. Yeah. It was, it was terribly feminine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I have to honor that. And there's levels to this yeah. and it, 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 ex, it extends so far past our uh, superficial interaction with what's happening on the surface of these experiences. Yes. Oh yeah. It is a layer by layer process and unraveling mm-hmm. for sure. And yeah, Leah, I think you're going to have to come back so we can d- continue to dive even deeper into femininity. And I, I know too, you have a lot to say on like relational dynamics and all that. So I think we're going to have to like bookmark that for another conversation. Cause I, I, just feel like that's like percolates as you start to come into this embodiment. But I would love for you to share Leah, where my community can find you, where we can connect with you, what's alive in your world, what you're excited about, what you're passionate about. Um, yeah, just share where we can interact with you. Yeah, so I'll lead with my passion because that's really the driver to everything. So I feel like at my core, I'm a creative and I love to connect seemingly disconnected things. Like, so my understanding of femininity and my teaching and everything is driven by, you know, not just the spiritual, but the psychological and the historical. So understanding our historical relationships to one another, what our communities and what our tribes have looked like, how that has influenced our psychology and how that has influenced our spirituality and how that has influenced our relationship to religion and our relationships to ourselves and to our bodies and our somatic experience. So 
I'm just such a nerd in a sense where I love to see like the interconnectivity of everything. Um, <laughs> so that's like the foundation of everything <laughs> that yeah. I believe in. Um, and um, of course, I think another very vital piece to anyone that would like to reach me. I also uh, find a lot of importance in understanding the, the way that our experience with economics has influenced our relationship to our spirituality, our relationship to our bodies, because within the Western world, uh, especially, there's been such an emphasis on how much you can do equates to your worthiness. Uh, and that, yeah. I know we talk about that, but especially for like, I'm a woman of color and that's so deeply ingrained within uh, women of color's understanding of themselves because for a, a period of time, our literal worth was equated to how much we could produce and do. Yeah. Um, there's just so many things that go into a conversation again about femininity that have nothing seemingly nothing to do with femininity but I find are relevant because of the narratives that we pass down passed down through generations um and again how that how that like epigenetically right. I guess would, would change our experience to our bodies, to ourselves, to our communities, to each other. Um, with that in mind, <laughs> I can be found uh, at Leah Vermont, L-E-A-H, Vermont, like the state. And um, I currently have a course open. It's always open. I, it's just the love of my life, really, and a byproduct of everything that I stated that I love. Um, it is called The Spiritual Path of Feminine Dissension. And it is really bringing together all of those things that I talked about so that we can descend into ourselves from a biological, psychological, historical, and spiritual perspective of femininity that marries them all together. Yeah. To give context to what it really means to descend into the truth of our, like I said, our biology, our, our relationship to our bodies, ourselves, our emotions, and how much space and how big our containers are for holding space for that truth in all its forms. Um, and so I'm really excited about that and very, just, I feel honored to be like a vessel to, to share that information. So that's where I can be found. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. And, and all of that will be linked below. And, and yeah, I can just, you know, say as a testimony, I, I personally just love the way Leah weaves these many different pieces into this web, because you really do bring a perspective, Leah, that I don't see a lot because it's encompassing a lot of these multidimensional pieces, but the way in which you share and break it down is very digestible, which I really appreciate. And I just know that so many of you listening, you know, as you're like sparking interest in these different topics and just wisdom that Leah shared, go to her page, you know, get into her course because 
she is able to like create a bridge for a lot of these different facets in which I find, you know, in other spaces like, oh, that part is good, but this feels missing. And not that we ever have all, all the answers. And I'm not saying any of us do. I certainly don't. But the perspective that you share, Leah, is just really cool. It's it's really refreshing. It's really innovative, I feel. So um, that's what I really appreciate about you. So I just thank you for, for doing that and being that creative channel to share that with us. Yes, I so, 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 so appreciate you uh, and hearing your perspective on my perspectives and... Um, I am so grateful to be able to have shared with you and heard and had this wonderful, beautiful conversation with you. And I, I, my prayer to anyone listening is that, you know, you would just know that like, I don't believe any of what I say is again, the truth. Uh, the truth is, is, is the actuality of how you hear me. And I invite you to sit with whatever that is. And I love that for you. And I'm excited for whatever comes out of this, regardless of what that looks like. Um, And thank you so much. Mm, Yeah, we thank you. And, And thank you for all listening, for your love and your listens. And we love your reflection. So definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me or I'm sure Leah, you know, reach out to her and just share your insights and what sparked in you through this conversation. And, and yeah, we will see you next time here on the podcast.